Hey everybody. I'm on just a little bit a little bit early. Five minutes early. But you know, we have a, a great show tonight, a great guest, and we have to get off around 8.30 or so so that we can launch a new broadcast for the Friday evening book club. Um, now, uh, in the future, in the future, you know, I have, I have Timothy Gordon on with me, so I, I want to be respectful of him having a, uh, you know, maybe something else going on. That I'm already here on a Friday night, so maybe in the future we'll take a little bit of time and we'll figure out what, what the next book on the list is. Maybe we'll just do that afterwards at around 9 and, um, or, or pick another night. We can just go book to book. This has been a really nice pilot test so far, but that's going to be session four after tonight's show. It's Friday the 13th, so there's already a little bit of buzz in the air, right? Am I right? May 13th, 2022, Friday evening edition, and we are talking about legends and folklore from all over the world, definitely all over the country, and we have a great thread that I've been building for two weeks now on the official forum on Reddit, the subreddit for, quite frankly... We have 22 people in there, or 22 submissions in there, and uh, I want to share a lot of these with our guest tonight, who is the professor, a professor, of the strange and the fabled Donald Jeffries. That's the title I've given him. He doesn't give him that, uh, that uh, title himself. So I think it's going to be a perfectly chill Friday night, and it'll end around 8.30 or so, and then we jump into session four for, quite frankly, book club Windswept House. Windswept house. So, I hope you had a great week. I certainly have. It's been nice working and being able to come here at night and uh, and share it with you all and learn a lot about you. I know so much about your taste in apples now. I cannot believe it. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Big week next week with Zach Voorhees and Scott Shara and Chris Ann Hall. Uh, after that, we have Black Conservative Patriots coming back. Matteo Lundgren uh, the, the, uh, the, from Cobb Therapy, he's coming back on. We have author Danny Katz coming on. i got to tell you about her. And uh, we even have uh, some other locals. Well, locals to the, quite frankly, audience, like Justin Polgar of, the, of Yes Cacao. He's coming back on. We, we picked a really nice trippy topic and uh, and how it all goes into the philosophy behind his wonderful botani botanical and medicinal chocolate. I'm not talking about chocolate that's going to get you stoned. I'm talking about real health food chocolate, which can be found on the affiliates page. You know what else can be found there? The link to our sponsor for the evening, Blue Monster Prep. It does not lessen in importance to be plugging our friends Pat and Gina at Blue Monster Prep who have almost exclusively married themselves to this audience because they are part of this audience. They do wonderful things for law enforcement and and uh, and other organizations around the country and training and, uh, and getting ready for all types of unexpected situations. And that's why they are retooling themselves to get a little bit more personal with you guys and gals, and I think it's been working out nicely. So go there and buy into some food, some food that will not go bad at you. Put it in your uh, your basement, 
Nice, cool, dry place. It'll stay there for 25 years. Food, water filtration, um, alternative power sources, how to really harness the power of the sun in a shitty situation. All types of stuff for your for your 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 dogs and cats. If there's an EMP coming, BlueMonsterPrep.com, promo code FRANKLY. You don't know where to start, it's okay. Get in touch with Pat and Gina, and they will uh, they'll hold your hand throughout the whole thing. They're wonderful. All right. All right. So let's get into some... Let's get into some wonderful grab bag items, shall we? First thing we have up is a article from The Mirror. TheMirror.co.uk. Headline. Calling a man bald is considered sexual harassment. Tribunal rules. A man being called bald is sexual harassment. An employment tribunal has ruled in the UK, I guess. Tony Finn, 64-year-old bald guy, claimed he has been a victim of sexual harassment when his manufacturing firm colleague said he was a bald C asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Forgive me for saying this, but sounds like he was called a bald cunt. Um, The panel sitting at Sheffield agreed and compared it to someone mentions a woman's breasts. No. No. (laughs) No. Sorry. Uh, The ruling made by a panel of three men who pointed out their own lack of hair. Also, this is personal comes in a case between a veteran electrician and his employers. Mr. Finn was fired in May last year for from the West Yorkshire-based British Bung Company, where he also worked for 24 years and had an unblemished record. In a statement, Mr. Finn told the tribunal about several incidents in which the term was used and he was fearful of violence. His colleagues denied using the term and said, I did not threaten Tony. So there's a difference between threatening somebody and saying, ah, you're a bald cunt. So the tribunal heard Mr. Finn. They wrote a statement with his police officer, son, uh, official police paper. When this was handled to the handed to the boss of the firm, which makes wooden cask closures for the brewing industry, they accused him of trying to intimidate them and fired him. The tribunal said of the bald comment, it was a violation of the claimant's dignity. It created an intimidating environment for him and it, re- it related to the claimant's sex. Wow. How does that relate to, uh, as a member of the bald community, finally I get to say that. Finally I get to, I get to, uh, I get to, uh, to speak on behalf of the bald community. Wh- wh- what? I mean the C the word of the the C word that was used there, that could be a little bit uh, that's of a sexual nature, but he doesn't have a oh or no, unless they called him a bald cock. Oh wait, well we we need to know what the hell he said here. It's C and then it we have three asterisks. I hate to be so crude this early in the show, but it could either be cock or it could be cunt. Um. If it's cock, then okay, then I can see where that is a uh, that's sexual harassment, especially if it's coming from people that you're not really friendly with, and they're doing it to. I mean, I mean, you know when you're getting something's getting tossed in your direction with malevolence, and it's not like a loving jab or anything like that, you know. 
Okay, but it has nothing to do with being bald. That's for sure. The the scalp is not a sexual... <laughs> it's not an erogenous zone. There's nothing sexual about the exposed scalp. Trust me. So... I don't even know who to feel bad for here. All right, on to another thing. I have a Twitch streamer that was doing a live video stream, I guess to, to raise or to try to get subscriptions like during a birthday. I don't know what's going on. She's trying to get subscriptions. Twitch streamer begs viewers for help after cooking stream ends with, with kitchen in flames. I have watched this at least a, a dozen times. Twitch streamer Kelly K. Jan Saren, Karen, Kelly Karen, almost burned down her kitchen in a cooking stream gone wrong as part of a subathon for viewers. After Ludwig's runaway success with his record-breaking subathon, streamers on Twitch running subathons with bigger and wider premises have become the norm for live streaming platform. For one streamer, this push for content almost had a catastrophic outcome during a recent uncapped subathon. Kelly was cooking for her viewers with an overheated pan and smoking the room up. After the pan caught a flame, Kelly, K. Jane, forgot oil safety 101. After splashing water onto the fiery pan, causing a larger flame to arrive. You know what this is all about? This is because uh, people are not learning how to cook from their parents anymore. Because their parents never paid attention to their grandparents when they were cooking. And we've lost that too. You're going to see this. I mean, even I know. You put the lid on the damn thing first. You turn off the, the, the stove. And you put the lid on it. Especially if it's oil. That... Or you have a, you always, especially if you know you're cooking with oil, you have a nice fresh box of baking soda somewhere, just in an emergency situation. Because, of course, you should always be observant over what's going on in the pan as to not let something get out of control. You can tell when it starts smoking and browning and all that other stuff that things are going wrong. Um, let's see here. Crying out help to the strangers watching in her internet, she yelled, I don't know what to do. Help, I don't know what to do. Oh, you want to watch it? Let's watch it together because this will be uh, n number 15. Here we go. So there she is, Betty Crocker, she, in a mini skirt because th this is just what it's all about. She put on an apron, but it's really all about, you know I have an ass under here, right? And um, she's on Twitch. The entire room is already smoked up, and I guess she's just trying to make light of that because she probably knows deep down inside she's not good at this, and um, she's completely overwhelmed, and she should have paid attention in home ec if there was ever a home ec class to go into because they've gotten rid of all that because it's probably sexist. So here you go, 28 seconds of, of pure glee. I don't know what she just took out of the pan, but... Here comes the flames. Oh. Okay. oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh fuck. 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 Oh fuck. She thinks she's out of it. No, she realizes, oh no, this thing's not going away. Fuck. fuck. But she still has to try to look kind of cool. Kind of like I have this under control and like this is a goo. Look at me getting into my goofy little antics. Oh, me and my foibles. Don't you want to sub now? <laughs> Think of all the fun we can have with, with oil and 
fire. <laughs> Just subscribe to me. It only gets better from here. But, uh, of course, that veneer starts to crack here when she actually starts getting panicked. Oh, fuck, I don't know what to do, guys. I don't know what to do. You know, you, you know what you shouldn't do? You shouldn't take a pan that's full of, uh, of flaming oil and throwing it, <laughs> throwing it around the room. That's probably what you shouldn't do. Help! 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 That's panic. They're inside the computer, K-Jane. They're in the computer. Leave the apartment and, and get a real person. Help. Like one of the, one of the simps on the other side of the, of the keyboard is gonna, is gonna leap through the screen like it's weird science or something. Oh my God. I watched this over a dozen times. <clears throat> now, of course, it's easier to watch this and laugh because she got out on the other hand, uh, on the other side of it, with nothing but a little bit of a bruised ego, and she probably picked up a shit ton of subs. Let's face it, um, she got exactly what she wanted. This particular clip that I I, uh, I saw this uploaded on, uh, this particular upload on Twitter had over seven million views. Okay. And that's just one upload. So you know that this has been reposted elsewhere. So she definitely got exactly what she wanted out of it. Almost cost her life, but, uh, you know, it's for the clout. Watch she becomes one of the most prolific social commentators of our time, a philosopher. She actually, she she brings balance to the uh, to the force or something like that. I guess you gotta, I guess, I guess you gotta give her credit. Maybe. Let's give her a chance, right guys? All right, what else? What else do I have? Here's another little something. Here is a blind item that you might have seen getting passed around today. We went from Twitter, uh, we went from Twitch, and now we're into the Twitter end of things. This is a blind item from Crazy Days and Nights. It's been making the rounds, although I, I've been checking Crazy Days and I usually check there. If you don't know anybody out there who's new to this, Crazy Days and Nights is a pretty, you know, low-maintenance blog that's started by NT, NT Lawyer, Entertainment Lawyer started years ago who drops these little random bits of info about rumors that are circulating around the entertainment industry and surrounding intermingled political spheres and all that stuff and there's some there's been some really hot shit there uh, over the years for sure um, and then the, the other stuff is just okay you know a b-lister is having an affair with a c-lister and and whatever but this came out today on the 13th Friday the 13th Here's the blind item. The celebrity CEO, this celebrity CEO is blowing off steam. He realizes that he has overpaid for the bird company. So you know who this is. It's Elon Musk and Twitter. The problem for him is that his objection is financially immaterial, and he publicly complained about the issue before signing the deal. The merger agreement allowed the Bird Company to take the celebrity CEO to court and force him to close the deal. The only way the celebrity CEO can get out of the deal would be if the financial books were completely fraudulent at the Bird Company, which they most certainly are not. Best case for the celebrity CEO is the bird company knocks a dollar or two off the share price to allow everyone to save face. When the celebrity CEO takes control of the company, he will slash expenses to the bone and there will be massive layoffs. 
And I guess this goes in tandem with all of the headlines today about how Musk is no longer sure about whether or not he wants to take the company. And the hell that gives a shit, to be honest. Who cares? And now all of the uh, the, the normie, blue-pilled liberals out there who think that, you know, oh, if we lose Twitter, we lose everything or something. Or, or you know, Hitler is coming back. And yeah, Twitter, Twitter was the only thing that was keeping Hitler in his grave. I don't know what they're thinking. They don't think. But, but uh, I, I saw some stuff from the Musk side of things saying, well, we wanted to, wanted to you know, pump the brakes a little bit until we're able to see just how much, whether or not Twitter is lying about the, uh, the bot, the bot uh, population on a platform with supposedly around 226 million regular viewers or users, that if the bots are more than the 5% that they said it was. So when I saw that, I was like, I wonder if, I wonder if he's uh, having, you know, he's getting cold feet here. He's trying to find a reason to say, oh, no, no, look, look, it's not what they say it was. They're lying or something. It's been, it's been improperly appraised or who the hell knows. But just another chapter in a saga that really does not concern us at all. So with that, we are going on a break. We're coming back and we're, we're jumping right into Friday Night Folklore. And we'll be getting... Uh, What's going on now? I hear DJs. I hear horrible vocalists singing now. This is just what I have to deal with. All right. Friday night. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be right back. You tune in at your own enjoyment because it is the best show since the beginning of time. It has technological advancements and a more sophisticated approach. But like every great awakening that has preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is a friend and truth is essential. You are now entering, quite frankly. Now take off your pants. And jacket. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! unsolved mysteries but I guess it's more cultural what the hell is that there's definitely mysterious things going on tonight though because we're going to jump into the realm of cryptids and UFOs and 
whatever the hell. I know Donald Jeffries is a, uh, a wealth of information. Wealth of information. So God knows where it all goes, but I know where we have to start. Welcome to Quite Frankly. It's a Friday evening, and I'm so happy to have you here. As I broadcast live from the, uh, the docks of the old parachute factory in Westchester, New York, syndicated around the globe via you. If it's not for you guys and gals sharing this, then nobody's going to see it. Just the way it is. Yes, we have been allowed. We have been able to limbo. We get on to the, uh, this, I don't know, we, we limboed our way to a little bit of an extended stay on YouTube. Doesn't mean anything. Don't grow. Nobody sees us unless it gets shared. Not to say that those who do see us are nobodies. I mean, it's the only reason why this show grows. So thank you guys for being a part of that and being an integral part, the lifeblood, if you will. So that's what we're off to tonight. First thing I want to say um, before we jump into anything else, the folklore thread, which is this is what you guys have been contributing to for the last two weeks. I asked, tell us about local legends where you are from, stories of cursed treasure, aliens and cryptids, portals in the desert, strange ruins in the woods, tall tales of Paul Bunyan or Johnny Appleseed-like figures in your hometown's history. I want to know about it all. We got some great things like that there. And speaking of Johnny Appleseed, let me just say that last night we learned about Tommy Appleseed from North Carolina. His name is Tom Brown. And this is just the beauty of talk radio. I can't tell you how many times I will put together a show thinking, I can't wait to see the emails that come in for this. And I get nearly nothing outside of, hey, great great show last night, Frank, and whatever, and here's, a, here's another resource for, for this and that, and, and, and people just enjoy it. But it's just like, I'm, I'm wondering why didn't get, I was wondering if we're gonna get some personal anecdotes that I can come back the next day and, um, Sometimes it just doesn't happen. But let me tell you, I woke up this morning with a random text from my buddy Joel. And the first thing I looked down, I said, he said, hey, Frank, honey crisp and Fuji. Honey crisp and Fuji apples. That's what he goes for. I said, oh, that's funny. That's funny. So I went back and forth with him. I said, yeah, I got a honey crisp on my, uh, on my countertop in the kitchen. Lauren's been buying them lately. But I don't have any memory of being able to bite into a Fuji and having... I don't I just don't know. Then I go into my email and it is jammed full of people writing in about apples. Here are a few, just a few because I can't do this all night. This is from Ken. He says, Frank, red delicious. I liked them as a kid. I can't stand them now. Completely agree with you. For me, they're tasteless and mealy. Yuck. Fuji and Honeycrisp are my go-tos. Great show, Frank. From Brad, hey Frank, I saw that piece you did last night on the gentleman who discovered 1,000 different varieties of apples. Actually, when we dug deep, deeper, he has rescued more than 1,200 varieties. Incredible. That either people have forgotten about or didn't even know about. I hope you do more on that story. I found that quite interesting. My favorite apple that I love eating is called Honeycrisp. They are large, almost softball size. They have both a sweet and tart flavor. They are very juicy. They are. They're, they're wonderful. If you like a bit of tartness to your apple, honey crisps are delicious. They do cost a bit more than the average apple. I think they're quite worth it. Very strong taste, too. Next in line are Fuji apples and then the yellow pear apples. They are a brand of apple that has been crossed with pears. They're a bit bland in flavor, but if you want to quench your thirst, they are extremely full of juice like a pear. I love pears. Once again, a, 
a soft, juicy pear. So don't give me those hard pears like the hard plums. If the plum is not juicy and gushing, then bring it back to me when it is. Anyway, thank you for the great shows. When are you bringing Susan Olson back on? Oh, I got to get in touch with her. got to get her back on. Uh, Jenner1Z says, you should try Honeycrisp apples, Frank. People love Honeycrisp and Fuji's. Uh, Justin, Justin Polgar from YesCacao.com. Frank, by the way, the Arkansas black apple is one of my best apple experiences I've ever had. It's like the snow white apple, almost black on the outside and snow white on the inside. Epic flavor. But they were only good the first season I tried them. Since then, they're weak and mealy. Maybe they needed to sit longer. Is there an apple thread? I should have started an apple thread, but you just can't predict what is going to hit with people sometimes. So the Arkansas black apples is the one that we we read when me and Rob were going through this, that they actually get better with age and should be aged multiple months, which is probably sounds obscene to a lot of us normies when it comes to apples because if you put a honey crisp on your on your uh, your countertop for a couple of months it's it's not going to end up very well so i, I just loved all of this stuff and uh, we have some people in the audience who have great experiences with those i should have started an apple thread i'll tell you what else is in there um i got i got at least a dozen pieces of mail about the black lights being reported all over the world on the highways and suburbs alike and I saved those too, so we'll jump into all of those things, including a an article that I I was sent from Mysterious Universe on that very phenomenon. On that, uh, so I'll save that for Thursday, so Rob can jump in on it too, since it was brought up on a Thursday. So it's always the things that you least expect. Always the things you least expect. Um, oh, Susan Olson is watching. Susan Olson is watching. She just uh, texted me. She said, "Yeah, when are you going to have that Brady chick back on?" Susan, we got let's let's come up. <laughs> let's come up with a a topic. Let's do it. Susan's the type of of guest I like making a topic with. I don't like just saying, "Hey, this is what we're talking about." Because they're uh, they're full of fun. Full of fun. So, there you go. The Brady chick is watching tonight. Okay. All right. So, folklore. Folklore. Where are we going with this? Let's just jump right in. Because I have a couple of things I haven't read onto the onto the record in a, a, a while. About a year and a half ago, I was sent a really interesting story about the Jersey Devil. A sighting of the Jersey Devil. But this is where we will start. On the thread itself. From Birdman. Birdman says, hello, Frank. Short one, but about 30 minutes south of Chicago. There is a place called Bachelor's Grove in the forest preserve area, and there's also a very old cemetery within. Very creepy at night. I felt It felt so heavy, like I was going to sink into the dirt. I've only been there once and never wanted to go back. Supposedly, Al Capone and his gang buried some bodies out there. It's been featured on ghost hunting shows, and the shock jock Mancow has done shows there, too. Wow. Isn't Mancow running for governor in uh, Illinois or something like that? I think I heard about that somewhere. So there's Chicago. We have a little bit more here from Ohio. Captain Castiron says, Happy Wednesday, Frank. In Vermilion, Ohio, about 40 minutes from Cleveland, there is an urban legend called Gore Orphanage 
or surrounding Gore Orphanage, I'm, I'm sure. There was an orphanage in, in 1840 that burned down and children died, supposedly. If you visit the ruins at night, uh, when you return to your car, there are children's handprints in the dew all over your car. I never got a chance to visit when I lived in Cleveland. To which Kenzel responded and said, I am from Cleveland area and I have read about this a bunch. I know people who have visited and said it's super creepy, always wanted to go there. And then a, 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 a portion of their own, Kenzel says, it's not technically from Cleveland, but he played for the Indians and the story always comes up on its anniversary or any time there's a rain delay. Ray Caldwell who also played for the Yankees, was struck by lightning while pitching in the top of the ninth inning on August 24th, 1919, and was knocked unconscious on the field. He didn't leave the game, receive any medical attention, or suffer any injuries. He got up after a few minutes and got the last out. It's a great story. You can read it here. It might even double as a June badass. Well, you know what? It would triple as a June badass if I did that because Ray Caldwell was a badass that I nominated myself last June for that very story. The only pitcher to be struck by lightning in the middle of a game, get up and finish the game. So there you go. And I think that his neck, didn't he pitch like a a no hitter the next time? I, I don't know what happened. But yeah, Ray Caldwell was a badass on this show last year here we go chicken little chicken little acorn says hi northern colorado here there is a bunch of weird legends but the west one is the the best one is rattlesnake kate in 1925 kate woman named kate was out with her three-year-old on her horse while hunting for ducks kate kate came across over 100 migrating rattlesnakes. She hid her son and horse behind a no hunting sign and began to shoot the snakes. She killed 140 snakes with her gun and a club. Eventually, she turned the snake skins into a dress. The dress is on display at a museum. Get the hell out of here. Hold on. Rattlesnake Kate. Kate, Kate, Kate. Rattlesnake Kate. Make my body ache. Any Motley Crue fans out there? Hold on. Let's see this. Let's see this. Rattlesnake Kate. A legend of Colorado's famous frontier woman. Oh, where is that the... I want to see Rattlesnake Kate's dress. That's... That's made out of snakes? Get out of here. Maybe it is. Wait, Rattlesnake Kate for inspiration? No, that's no. It's it's inspired by Rattlesnake Snake. Snake. Rattlesnake Kate. I can't say this anymore. All right, maybe this is it. I may be wrong. That doesn't look like snake skin to me. But she killed over 140 rattlesnakes. They were all migrating. Yeah, what do you have to do when that happens? I guess you have to just like pull over pull over with your horse and just wait for them all to run by crazy stuff really crazy um but you know what we can do i want to read a little bit of these i want to read a little bit of these with our guest tonight and that's don jeffries so i i will we'll, we'll get to him in just a moment here of course you all know our returning guest he's not only a host of his own radio show which i think he's actually coming back from hosting right now but a prolific author 
on the topics I am most interested in. That's history, hidden history, unsolved mysteries, especially those that have to do with overlaps in the entertainment history uh, uh, industry and the political sphere. But he is also a fan of more Fortean topics as well, UFOs, cryptids, portals to other dimensions. And he's here with us tonight. Don Jeffries, how are you, Don? Hey, how's it going, man? We'll make sure I unmuted there. How you going, Frank? Oh, I'm. Uh, hey, me back. Oh, it's great to have you back. It's always great to have you back. And yes, yes, I'm. Uh, I, I'm. I'm sitting here tonight, jumping into folklore, and I was thinking to myself, who would be a great guy to have on for a ta- topic about folklore and different things that uh, that, that, that originate in, either in by countries or regions or anything like that. Say, so I got to bring Don on. He's got to know something about this. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. I'm just reading through things here. And uh, when was the last time you did a little something on cryptids or anything like that? Uh, Bigfoot, UFOs, <laughs> w- what? Yeah, well, you know, I I, had, uh, I have a book. You know, it's always been in the back of my mind. In fact, I started writing it years ago. I didn't get very far. But uh, I plan to write a book on all that because, you know, as a, as a young lad back in America 1.0, back in the days of your... Uh, you know, the, the, next to the JFK assassination, my number two go-to topic, uh, you know, is reading all the time. We're, we're, we're UFOs, Bermuda Triangle, Pyramid Power, uh, yeah, Bigfoot and strange creatures, Loch Ness Monster, all that stuff. Uh, I was infatuated with it. You know, I was always looking for answers, and I think there's a lot of unexplained things in this world. And uh, so I read, uh, you know, I was very influenced by not only Charles Ford, but uh, John Keel, who was, um, uh, he's the one who, he's probably most noted for the Mothman prophecies. That's another one. See, that's, that's one in particular. I know that that is like everybody's uh, go-to, but that one in particular is the Mothman, that's West Virginia, right? Right. right. And that, that actually was, of all his books, that, I didn't, I mean, it was good, it was okay, but I mean, he, he wrote Strange Creatures from Time and Space, which I love, Our Haunted Planet. The Eighth Tower, uh, where the only thing he did, he wasn't great at sourcing, and he died some years ago. If he was around today, I'd try to get a hold of him and say, you know, why, you know, when you're, when you're reporting these fantastic things, you know, with people seeing strange creatures when they're, you know, necking in a car or something, and, and you gotta have a source for that. But he, unfortunately, like a lot of writers, he didn't source that well. I have to assume, you know, that though that they, what he was reporting uh, actually was by someone well with that in particular mothman i mean uh, cryptids like mothman have been known or have been said to be harbingers of disaster or even war and uh and i i don't know i maybe it's just me being selfish but we are constantly in times of war and it's and, and we're it's it's ramping up even more now in, in a in a way that we are not even used to because it's usually uh, I don't know so we're we're in, we're uh, getting ourselves into tribal conflicts or something like that and I would think that right now we would the skies would be filled with UFOs and winged creatures and <laughs> based on how shitty things well, are going but damn well you know it, and what we really should be concerned about now again it's somebody that uh, that spent a lot of time re, you know. I wasn't researching the JFK assassination. I was researching UFOs, and I, I was pouring over, you know, contact stories, especially. There's a book called The Humanoids, which is really great. Uh, many of the 70s compiled all the kind of close encounters with actual creatures, and I was fascinated by that. But you know, all these people were ridiculed at the time. They were made fun of, and there, you know, lots of these people that saw something as a lot of times they had physical injuries, burns, and things like that. 
um, you know, their their spouses left them, uh, their families abandoned them, they were fired from the job, the communities ostracized them. Uh, people like Dr. Carl Sagan and Johnny Carson on Tonight Show used to make fun of them, ridicule them just for, you know, encountering something they claim they've encountered. And now, you know, something we've hit a sea change in the last couple of years. The New York Times has a big story about it. Uh, you have Tucker Carlson reporting on it constantly, uh, 60 Minutes, I think. And they're treating it suddenly with a newfound respect. And they're all the videos that go back decades of people that have, you know, videotaped these strange lights and the strange movements that were, again, ignored or, or made fun of. Now suddenly they're taking it seriously. You even have things uh, because you have you know, underwater objects as well. You know, that's not talked about as much. There are lots of strange sightings of uh, people seeing these craft going into the ocean. Yeah. And coming out. And now they're actually talking about that too. Again, this goes back decades. So I don't know. You know what Project Blue Beam is? Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know. Is there, is there gonna be a fake alien invasion, Frank? I don't I, it wouldn't surprise me because we've had everything else during this uh, show in the last couple of years. So maybe it'll culminate in a fake alien invasion, but there's there's a reason they're suddenly giving credibility to UFOs when they, they treated it. It would be like if they suddenly came out and Said, of course, Oswald didn't kill Kennedy. Or, you know, of course, 19 crazed Arabs didn't do 9-11 and acted like that was always their position because that's what they're doing with UFOs. And uh, it's just, so I'm very suspicious of it. I yeah I, everybody is I, well I mean, anybody who's ever taken this stuff seriously I, I think uh, is suspicious when you have these normally um, the these normally very not even not even skeptical they're just they run they run interference they just they do what they're told they run interference so when they start taking something seriously it's just like oh okay well whatever this is it's not going to be very authentic at all and we're not going to benefit from it at all but let me ask you this since you talked you've mentioned JFK and we're talking UFOs a little bit we're going to get into a lot more things I want to read some of these local folklore pieces with you to get your your opinions and just spark some conversation what um you had to have seen a little bit of the overlap between JFK, Marilyn Monroe, and UFO disclosure over the years. There are there are people have their, the, so many theories about what was going on with between those two. I mean, obviously both uh, assassinated, um, but but many people say that that Marilyn Monroe became privy to some information about aliens and UFOs, and she shouldn't have and. Of course, that doesn't really jive with people who just really uh, chalk it up to mafia entanglements and all that other stuff. But uh, what, what have you been able to, to glean from all that? Anything anything you think is substantial? Well, you know, the rumors are there. I mean, I, I, I interviewed Laura Eisenhower, granddaughter of, um, I, you know, Dwight Eisenhower, who's really, <laughs> you never get her as a guest on the show. She's, she's fun. I'll, get, I'll tell you that. She's been on Very, once. It's been a well, long has, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I. Yeah, I don't, I don't, she stopped answering me. She wanted to come, I don't know, maybe she, but I, I thought it was a good interview. But she uh, talks about Eisenhower and that he knew, and there's that theory in the 50s that, you know, it goes back to Roswell, that uh, everybody knew about the aliens or the grades or whatever they were. I mean, I, you know, I don't buy the alien theory anymore. I mean, I think these things, I think they're real, they're a phenomena, but I think there's some kind of government thing or maybe even interdimensional, but it's, I, I don't buy the necessarily alien thing, but something happened there at Roswell, uh, something, you know, that was covered up for a long time, Area 51 and all that. And apparently this, you know, according to Laura Eisenhower, uh, all the people, the leaders were in on it. And so her, her grandfather was, you know, had to cover this up. And then presumably Kennedy 
would have, uh, you know, been handed those secrets when he became the West. So, you know, theoretically, if he was having an affair with Marilyn Monroe, you know, who knows, maybe pillow talk, you know, he mentions what, I'm not, I'm not discounting it. I don't, and certainly somebody, somebody killed Marilyn Monroe for some reason. Uh, so um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that, that was the case, but there's, uh, there's been so much, you know, uh, uh, disinformation, I hate to use that word, but it, it's true in this case uh, about UFOs for a long time. It's a very real phenomenon, and they, they, I guess millions of people probably have seen them. So something is there. I just, I just don't buy the theory that this is an alien civilization and they just always go to people in remote places, so they're never really out in the open enough where everybody has to accept them. And I'm, I am worried about the, the sudden change on the part of these people that have been covering up for decades and you know trying to you know maintain that this is not real, that these people are all crazy and that nothing exists there. You know, flying saucers, woo, but now suddenly they're treating it seriously. So, you know, Project Blue Beam's a very real thing. And, and uh, I, I, with all the else that's happened, I certainly would not be surprised at all. I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people will buy it, but there's, there's, you know, the people that are wearing the mask will buy it probably. <laughs> so, yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, we just did a uh, on Wednesday evening. I did a a show based on these two articles that was written by an a an author. Uh, uh, I guess a, a journalist. His name is Chris Bray. First time I'd seen any of his work, and he did two really two really great complimentary pieces on Jonestown. And uh, he's talking about Jim Jones and Jonestown, and it was written uh, from the point of view of our current moment right now and, and trying to explain really what the levels of human gullibility really is and, and, and what was done to people by uh, charismatic slash batshit crazy people like Jim Jones. And if you extrapolate the, the very easy methodology used to entrap people and to disassociate them in a small isolated cult situation you extrapolate that out to the national level what was just have what's been happening to us over the last two and a half years alone with the uh with the 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 the, the declared pandemic and all the response there too i mean it, it's very easy to see what's happening here that this is large-scale cult initiation um i i don't know who is who's out there doing occult rituals based on what they have gotten people to commit themselves to somebody's uh, is benefiting energetically there but as far as as far as um gullibility goes don i i hey you know what blue beam would definitely work for at least a couple of hundred million people it would work for at least a couple of hundred million well yeah absolutely and what what, what really is the difference between drinking the kool-aid and uh you know getting four or five vaccines for the same disease i mean Maybe we're being unfair to the people that drank the cool because, I, no. I, you know, because I, to me, it's it's that's it, it's at that level. I mean, you don't have a cult leader, so-called one leader or whatever. But in this case, you have uh, you know Fauci and science and political leaders, our media, our celebrities. I mean, everybody's been on board preaching this stuff, and uh, it's it, it's really frightening to see the kind of mind control people are are allowing themselves to uh, you know to be put under spells, you know, this, and it wouldn't, you know, I, Project Blooming, by the way, most people think that if you look into what the, what the origin of it supposedly was, it wasn't just a fake alien invasion. I think that's what it will be. But they also incorporated something that the CIA had worked on. You know, most people don't know that in the early 1960s, one of the things that the CIA was considering 
was a mock second coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. And they had talked about trying to, you know, have a, a giant, you know, uh, you know, hologram in the sky of Jesus uh, near Cuba, of course, you know, with the Catholic population of Cuba. And they thought they, I don't know what they thought, they'd run into the CIA's open arms or something, I guess. They, they actually had thought that. And uh, so Project Bluebeam actually does talk about that fake second coming of Christ. So there's a lot of things we have to be scared of because, you know, in, in this Truman show we, we live in, uh, yeah, of course you get into the biblical things like the Antichrist, you know, you don't know what to believe. I mean, anything that comes up, if they do it well enough, the problem is that I think from their standpoint is that they don't do anything well enough. Most of the time <laughs> you can see right through what they're doing. So they'd have to really step their game up, I think, too. You know, for uh, certainly a fake, a, a fake second coming of Christ, but a fake alien invasion, they'd have to do a much better job than they've been doing on some of the other stuff. But at least to fool us. But I don't know. Maybe they don't have to try very hard to fool. You know, set a couple hundred million people. Yeah, I know, I know. Which is which is scary. But uh, I, I think, like I said, whatever they do, they don't do well. And um, and and who knows? Who knows? Hey, what do you think about what do you think about doppelgangers? What do you think about clones? Um, uh, you know, you say, well, what, who's really holding the strings here? There's a lot of stories about, a lot of stories about those who who don't want to let go, and uh, and they will do anything they can to transfer even their life force into a new donor body. Um, I, I don't know how deep you have gone into things like doppelgangers. That is still also very fortunate, if you ask me. Um, yeah. Duplicates, tulpas, because those are really just projections. But um, what do you think about that? Because uh, e even even just in an in incarnation kind of a realm, our rocket program was, was based on attempts. Uh, some people that were, were building up our rocket program were also on the side trying to bring forth old old deities and and uh and put them back into human bodies it's it's really really kind of it makes you wonder how many how many of the people we are around our clones yeah well you know doppelgangers that's a fascinating uh concept i remember an old alfred hitchcock presents played with that idea it's it's a really spooky twilight zone thing to think that uh there is somebody and you know you hear it all the time i've i've had a couple people you know in my more than a handful of times i guess People have told me they saw me somewhere or what, you know. I remember one time, I was, which was ridiculous, if you knew my personality, I was mistaken for a motorcycle gang leader at a party when I was born one time. <laughs> I almost got into a big fight. I said, what are you, I don't even ride a motorcycle. What are you talking about? But, uh, you know, this guy was convinced, you know, that, hey, you know, you're definitely this guy. So, obviously, there's uh, physical similarities between people. But, yeah, the idea, you know, people played around with that, you know, you're, you have like, a, whether it's dimensional or not, you have your opposite. It looks just like you, but has the exact opposite so uh the doppelganger thing i think is is very interesting but you know when we talk about any of these things uh you know when i was uh, you know studying up on uh, ufos one of the the best writers besides john killen was jacques valet who's still alive and uh you know he was a consultant for close encounters the third guy but valet and keel both played around with the notion that you know ufos are a modern concept you know that but they, they fit our age or they fit that age so that was what we'd see but you had other manifestations you know especially in ireland for centuries you know you had the little people fairies that you know people were convinced tons and tons of sightings of them you know and they, they carried off babies things like this that you, you you so you had these kinds of things and of course ghosts were, were very popular and you know about the time ufos came into being ghosts kind of faded a little bit so I mean, is is there something? And Keel played around that possibility that there's some kind of uh, 
phenomenon from from somewhere that uh, it and, and it uh, kind of uh, it, it suits itself, you know, it, it's, it's to whatever uh, the belief system of that particular uh, you know uh, population is. So I get you. For you. UFOs would be perfect right at the beginning of the planes were flying and then the space age so it, it fit perfectly no they're alien civilizations were back in the day you know something like fairies or little people uh, that fit because people were you know they were they were concerned about that so uh i think these things are probably all part of the same phenomenon i, I don't i don't know but I, I i like to play around with those ideas i just think that frank that there's all there's more there i don't think we know anywhere near what we might think we do i think there's a lot of unexplained stuff out there and that's why i always enjoy reading and and, and researching it uh, because uh, there's there's so many things people have have allegedly with you know experienced some incredible things and uh you know i don't i as with the number that's out there i think that it's you know it's wrong to just that's it no yeah absolutely I, i'm i'm with you on that and I always, that's why I do a lot of collection. I collect a lot of people's stories when it comes to this stuff. And I have some stories here I want to read for you as, uh, as we push on through. This is from Polo Bum. This is seven days ago on the official thread for this show. And they said, hi, Frank, I live in northern New Mexico on the edge of a large Navajo reservation. And I employ a Navajo who grew up and lived on the reservation. When I first hired him, he was hesitant to tell me anything about what's happened on the res. However... He's told me several very believable stories about the incidents that have happened before. And before I share the story, I have to tell you that, uh, let me see here. Alex is one of the most down-to-earth, hardworking, honest people I've ever met. He never exaggerates, and if anything, downplays incidents. Several times he's mentioned that there are Bigfoot living in this area. It makes sense because it's an extremely remote area. And he told me that several years ago, he and friends actually saw a Bigfoot. He said it was nearly dusk and suddenly, almost instantly, all the dogs in the area started barking and howling. Then from a grove of trees, a very large creature appeared, walking on almost gorilla-like on four legs. They watched as it uh, uh, approached a small bridge over a dry wash. And as it did, a pack of several dogs ran toward it. It suddenly stood up on two legs said it was about 8 to 10 feet tall. And as one larger dog ran up to it barking, it picked up the dog, twisted its neck, and then threw it off the bridge. It then jumped over the bridge into the wash and disappeared. Sometime later, after they all stopped shaking, he and his friend grabbed their guns and went to the bridge. He mentioned that the dead dog had a stench on it that described as nothing he had ever smelled in his life. I kind of teasingly said, oh, that's why you always carry a pistol. And he looked at me and he said, yes. By the way, he's also told me some stories about his family's encounters with shapeshifters and skinwalkers. That's in northern New Mexico, Don. Um, I have heard about th- that is one thing you get from everybody who has an encounter with a Bigfoot. It is the stench. Yes. And, and you know, it's not It's not just, it, it, and again, John Keel talked about a lot of, he was the first one to mention that. It's a sulfuric kind of smell. And uh, it's described on a, a, not just Bigfoot, but, you know, that's the most prominent, but other creatures i mean Gil talked about you know people saying strange things giants just you know just weird things from out of like said out of time and space but uh and you can even go is is this related to the devil you know the devil to you know associated with sulfur you know is this so is this some kind of dark force is it satanic i don't know is it demonic a lot of people you know especially you know really uh devout christians believe that all these manifestations are demonic you know, they're coming from the dark forest. Is that possible? 
uh, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I do know that uh, the conventional science hasn't explained uh, them very well. And things like, you know, so many people have seen Bigfoot, uh, so many people have seen Loch Ness Monster, things like that. And so are these, is it, you know, is it because they're all mistaken? They're all, you know, there's mass delusion. I don't think so. And I think that, uh, I think, again, we know so little about, they're still uncharted, you know, for instance, the, the jungles of Brazil, mm. you know, where, where uh, Colonel Colonel Fawcett back in the 1930s disappeared, never found again. And uh, so nobody, no explorer, no white man or whatever you want to call it, has, has ever been in that area where they can't get through it. He couldn't get through it. He disappeared. So who knows what could be there? You can have a colony of Bigfoots for all we know or, or some things like that. I think, in, and certainly the ocean, most of the ocean is uncharted. We'd have no idea. There, there could theoretically be Atlantises or something under the ocean. We just, we just don't know. And it's so big, maybe that's, they think that's their whole world. I, I, I think that we need to open our minds to these possibilities. There's so many things out there that, uh, that science can't explain, and they don't attempt to explain it. Although, I mean, well, they attempt to, but they, they believe that everything you know, is explained by their little niche world. And I don't think they've explained very many things at all. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm always open to hearing about these things because I, I, uh, I understand the phenomena is there. Some of them, sure, maybe, maybe it's you know, some kind of mundane uh, delusion or something. But for the most part, there's too many of these encounters, uh, and people have seen too many strange things which haven't been explained. Well, have you ever have you ever been able to interview a guy like David Politis? Well, I was going to mention him, David Politis. Uh, he never answers. I mean, I probably emailed him five or six times, and uh, he he bragged. And I love the guy. I love his work, but he's one of those people that he doesn't answer me. And I've talked talk to other a couple other people. He didn't answer either. But I was thinking of him when you you're talking about Bigfoot and all these things because something is going on in those parks mm -hmm. where, the, where everybody's disappearing, and uh, you know it's probably the most innocent explanation or the, the least frightening explanation is that they're covering up for. Bigfoot or something like that, and they're abducting you. And you get into something really strange if they're time portals or something like that, or portals or people in another dimension. But something very strange. If you if you look into those uh, those cases, these are people that are experienced. Uh, they're used to the area, and a lot of times they'll just be right around the bend. They'll be you know 50 yards from somebody, and <laughs> boom, they're gone. Yeah. Uh, very strange stuff and you know the things where the cases where they'll find the clothes neatly folded and uh, the, it's even worse when they find the bodies it's bizarre they'll be found like one shoe and one sock and you'll have a two-year-old that somehow climbed you know a junior Mount Everest or something something impossible yeah and so there's there's a lot there and I, I would love to you know David Politis if you're listening answer my emails please I'd love to have you on the show I admire your work no I, I I've tried I've tried myself too I I really do love his work um and I I just I, I think that would be a great if you ever do get that lined up please let me know because I'd love to hear you guys talk especially about all oh. this stuff but you know on, on that on that respect you you said could it be some sort of a, a a creature or could it be that we are just talking about more so about like these these uh this this energy grid that is over the entire world these little these meridians these these portals these these junctures where it's almost like an energetic superhighway of portals opening and closing and and creatures entities out there who know and maybe even government agencies who've been able to study it long enough in uh, clandestine operations who know just where this elevator system of energy how it works 
you know, you show up for a portal opening up in the desert in New Mexico somewhere. You know, you jump through it. You'll be somewhere in China 500 years ago. Right. And you know how to come back. I mean, who? somebody knows how all this stuff works. We certainly don't. And the other thing there, too, is whereas it's really amazing to hear about all of those. I mean, it's, it's freaky as hell. Uh, to hear about the crazy number of unsolved mysteries of, of people who are experienced outdoorsmen and women going missing in these forests. You know that when you, if you go back far enough, every great city in this country was also forest and wilderness. So the fact that these portals and these opportunities to... Uh, to disappear or anything like that goes away just when you settle an area, that's ridiculous. I'd love to get more into big city disappearances that, that, that well, of the nature. Well, he, you know, Pilates has, has uh, I think, he's, again, his books are so damn hard to get. They're expensive unless you buy through him or were very expensive unless you buy through him. I don't really understand that. But um, so I haven't uh, technically, I've, I've listened to many, many, many interviews. I've read some stuff online. So I'm aware of, of, of the kind of the gist of case but he has done at least a couple of, of, of uh, books on the disappearances in the cities and it's the same kinds of stuff of course you don't have the forest it's probably even spookier because you don't have the unknown element you know what is getting it you know why why is somebody end up in the water after they search there and just crazy stuff somebody be on their cell phone talking to their, their girlfriend everything's fine and they go around the corner he's not there he's never seen again uh, those things really haunt me, you know, and, and, you know, when you were talking about like the teleportation thing, uh, you know, you the Philadelphia experiment, which I, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all convinced was a myth. You know, I think, yeah. I, I think it probably happened. And, uh, you know, for those who don't know, I mean, they, they claimed during World War II that a, uh, a ship, a naval ship uh, was basically teleported from, I think, New York to Philadelphia, you know, and, the, the uh, Eldridge. Yeah. The Eldridge, and, and uh, you know, if it's, that's the case it it really messed and i could understand it was probably if it was technology it was just emerging and apparently it messed up a lot of the people maybe some of them didn't survive the ones that did were messed up for the rest of their lives because i guess it did something to the chemistry or whatever because they didn't understand the uh, uh the technology but you had morris k jessup who was one of the first uh, people to write about ufos and he was deeply involved that he's the one that supposedly talked about the uh, Philadelphia experiment. You have all these strange characters that were involved in that, and uh, it gets into. He was probably the first one, one of the first ones to talk about the men in black, and the MIBs. That's another element that I, if people read, you know, people want to read uh, my kind of wonderings on this subject. My novel, The Unreal, my only fiction that was published so far, uh, which came out uh, in 2007. I I play around with this stuff constantly, and there I have a lot of forte and stuff. A lot of UFOs, MIBs are everywhere. So I'm speculating freely, you know, going back and forth between that and, you know, political JFK type stuff, too. But um, I, I think that there's uh, a lot more there than we know of. And uh, it's kind of funny when Hollywood made the movie Men in Black, which had absolutely nothing to do with the real phenomenon. But if you're familiar with that, these are these are guys that used to show up and they're comical. They, 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 they had an otherworldly aspect to them. Like they would like literally not like be unable to do things like cross their legs. Like they're simple things they couldn't do or they were pretending they couldn't do. They would warn witnesses not to, to, to act as if they were some kind of CIA agents or something. But uh, they but they acted like they were from like another world. And uh, but they 
they've been reported by many, many, many people. Yeah. I actually, you know, I've never had a supernatural encounter, but when I was young one time, of course I had been, you know, drinking. I was outside a party, but somebody came up to me and he didn't look like a man in black, but he came like from another direction and just said, you're, you're a Mr. Jeffrey, you're wanted back in Annandale where I lived at the time. I said, what? And, you know, I and, and so if people were playing a trick on me at the party, they never told me, you know, and I asked them about it and, uh, I don't know. Was that an MIB? Yeah, what, hey, he just wa walked away? Yeah, just walked away. That was it. And he, he was, he's kind of, you know, I was like, <laughs> what was that that I finally see an MIB? I've been searching for UFOs. I've never seen one. So maybe I saw an MIB. Usually they appear in threes, but uh, not always. I've heard I've heard a lot of testimony about that. I've listened to a lot of talk radio about the the men in, the men in black. They They really are creepy. Um, yes. And and lacking in any kind of signs of real humanity, They're almost very yes. pl very plastic-like figures. Um, yes. at, at the same time, not very physically intimidating, but because they are lacking in, like I said, some some shades of humanity, it became it makes them very creepy. Almost like being stalked by the uh, the bald guy uh, in in uh, Eyes Wide Shut that follows the the mm -hmm. character mm -hmm. Bill through the streets of New York. Um, yeah. Odd stuff, almost as if they are grown up. And a little bit more government hooked up versions of the children with black eyes. I've heard a lot about. <laughs> yeah. the, you want to talk about folklore and legends? That yeah. if I listen to, I cannot listen to, to, to stories about children with black eyes, mm -hmm. the black-eyed children, um, prior to 10 p.m. Or else, I, it, it's going to be it's yeah. going to be sh shitty night. Well, have you have you looked at? I mean, I, I, if you look at Joe Biden's eyes or Jen Psaki's eyes. Uh, they look pretty black to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's Kamala Harris's I, eyes literally went blacked out in the summer of 2020. One yeah, well, one day her face changed. We didn't know what the hell happened to her. Right, right. And that's of course then you get the whole thing. That's the David Ike's area. You know, the reptilian thing. I mean, I don't know, man. Is there something? There's a lot, there's a whole lot of mythology with you know snakes and reptilians and uh, you know. Is it possible? I mean, people will photograph them, and say, "Oh, look, they're changing. Look at their eyes are slipped the wrong way." Who knows, man? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the, anything. And then, of course, you get that it goes into the whole legend of the, you know, the back in the day that you know, where somebody uh, can either have the angels mated with female women, or uh, the sci-fi aspect is that somebody, you know, the, the people from outer space or somewhere came and they made it, and you know, that's some people speculate that how they were a reptilian race. And that's how you get this kind of reptilian gene or something. But it seems to run into uh, <laughs> the elite. So maybe at that time they kind of separated and segregated themselves. And the uh, the elite were the people that had reptilian blood. And maybe that's where you get the bloodlines. I don't know. All this stuff comes from somewhere. Yeah. And that's why when we get back to the UFO topic and people, uh, I you hear a lot that they were um, largely attracted to what we were doing here with the dawn of the atomic age. Hear a lot about the the attraction of these these craft and their presence on on launch pads and elsewhere, especially around times of war, as if they had some kind of real reason to uh, to step in and make sure we didn't do anything wrong to the planet. But other things there too about how around the time that dawn of the time atomic uh, age, White Sands, that there was a rip that that the first you know that, that that first explosion that test out there ripped our dimension here a wall in it all and 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 allowed a lot of bad things to come through uh from the other side whatever the other side is and i think about that and i say well you know there's, there's been a lot of these these crazy encounters over 
many, many centuries at this point. That far predates White Sands. Maybe that it only added more problems to our plate. But um, you know, let it, lots of it, lots of that going on there. Um, for example, I want to read you another story that was sent to me about over a little bit over a year ago, and I've been fi- hard, having a hard time finding a place to put this. And it's about the Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, hey, Frank, here goes. Let me just say I never bought into the mythology of the Jersey Devil. I just thought it was a scary campfire story, the name of a hockey team. Uh, most of my childhood took place in New Jersey, around 45 minutes south of Trenton, and about two miles east of the Delaware River, uh, where many of the Jersey Devil stories took place in the 1800s. Side note, I was born in Brooklyn on, the, uh, on get this, Humboldt Street, and spent uh, most of my adult life in Manhattan. Growing up, when we went to Long Beach Island and... Um, Blah, blah, blah. Oh, the Pine Barrens. There you go. Well, that's where we hear a lot of that going on, the Pine Barrens. Uh, most, uh, Burlington is where the Pine Barrens are. They are some of the most interesting, spooky, mystical terrain you could experience. So it was Labor Day weekend, my birthday to be exact. I had come home from the city to hang out with my family. My parents had a house in Beach Haven, a few houses down on the beach. Long Beach Island is very narrow barrier island parallel to the the mainland around 13 miles long. There's one road that goes to the length of the island with lots of traffic lights and then at the wider part north where Beach Haven is located it's a little wider and there's another road about another 25 mile speed limit and there you have it. My sister Peggy and I had gone out for gone out for the evening. We went down to visit with a friend of hers at another end of the island. We hung out until late, started heading back to the beach house around 2 a.m. We had very little to drink, nothing to smoke. My sister was doing the driving, and we directed, we decided to take the beach road as we got to the wider part of the island, but we're driving really slow because we did not want to get stopped by the cops. All of a sudden, this creature lands in front of the car. It was huge. I started to look at it. It had cloven hooves. The lower part of the body was an animal-like, uh, was animal-like, but around the abdomen, it started looking more like very thin, very pale human male, like a like a satyr. This was all took place within seconds. By the time I got to uh, to the face, which was also human-like, made contact with us, eye contact, I screamed, go, Peggy, go, and as we took off, it leaped or flew out of the way. It was unbelievable, to say the least. I was so grateful my sister was with me because everyone I know would have thought I was nuts. I'm like the queen of woo among my normal people in my family, and she hadn't been with me. I would be doubting what I saw to this day, and... Um, Sister wanted to go back. She said, absolutely not. And, uh, and, and, and that's where it comes down to. She, she speculated, and this is from Carol. Carol, thank you so much for the submission so many uh, months ago at this point. She speculated, uh, her sister, she said, I don't know what that was, but they're probably doing experiments or something. She might have been right because Montauk is not that far away. I always thought of it being an energy field where confronted with human minds using archetypes to make sense, and that's why these descriptions are always a little bit different. So as far as um, experiments go, Don, I mean, there's a lot of shit there. We can talk interdimensional types of experiments, these weird hybrid creatures. Then we can just talk about Lyme disease. I mean, (laughs) it's as simple as that. Yeah, well, you know, and, and it's funny they mentioned Montauk because I, I'm, I'm finishing up Hidden History 3 right now. And uh, so, and I have a lot more about the subjects I've written about before, but one of the things I go into again with Joe McCarthy and his hearings, and uh, one of the things he was investigating was Montauk. 
just to, you know, to the, the, the weird stuff that was going on there. Again, this doesn't get into the history books. But um, so, yeah, and I, when you talk about these kind of weird uh, amalgamations of creatures, I mean, that's one of the things that Alex Jones was talking about for a long time, you know, that they're, they're making half pig, half men or something like that. And apparently they, it looks like they are, you know, they're doing something and, and knowing what we know of these kind of Frankenstein like people, I mean, these are the people that maybe 10, 15 years ago, I wrote about it. They, they had, for some reason, they kept the 1918 flu, which was so deadly and killed millions around the world. They kept it in a lab, some, I mean, it's kept some of it. It's like, what, why would you keep that? For what possible reason? To study it, to study it? And, uh, you know, supposedly you had some scientists that were working with it at that time. Why would you work with something like that? So a lot of these scientists, it's no, you know, when you say mad scientists, or we had these pictures of, Able to go see your boards, Karloff. Uh, it's not that far removed from what some of them are. I mean, I, if Bill Gates was a scientist, I can picture him like you know rubbing his hands with the glee, you know, and 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 loving this kind of stuff. So uh, this it's, it's playing God. I don't know what you would call it, but I I, I have no doubt that uh, this stuff goes on, and uh, where you know they probably keep these things from getting out. But was it? Uh, recently somebody sent me something about some monkeys or something that had escaped was it in florida or something they crashed the so, but anyway, a bunch of them like escaped in the area and they sent a bunch of government agents up to round them they escaped from a lab it's like and there were chimpanzees that, it was pennsylvania there was, a, get, yeah. it was pennsylvania so you know but i mean so you know were, were, they, were they part of some weird experiment i don't know but i they again they like to they like to mess around with this stuff, and uh, instead of proving li- improving life for everyone, they like to kind of screw around and uh, do. There's, you know, they're, they're, I guess they they all took Frankenstein to heart or something. Oh yes. And they want to do want to do these mad experiments. So that doesn't, I, I you know, the the uh, the lady that wrote in there, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't question that at all. Again, people, there's there's been a lot of those sightings, whether it's the Jersey Devil, Mothman. Um, you know, lots of types of creatures like that have been seen, and I don't think everybody that saw them was crazy or drunk or whatever. No, no, th- that's the other thing that really gets you. It's not, it's not about d- drunk or, or, or anything else. You, you wonder where the hell, where this all goes and, and, and who is keeping track of it all, and I, I, I just wish that there was a little bit more clarity on the things, uh, especially as things get a little bit more nuts, and people get nuts, I, 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 like I said, I, I've said it many times. If the news that has been coming out about UFOs was coming out in 1997, the world would have stopped spinning. The we would have been like, wait, wait, what are you talking about? And nobody even cares. And when you talk about somebody like uh, Bill Gates, that is such a, pr- a prototypical villain. I mean, the guy has all the evil ticks. He is <laughs> yes. constantly he's smiling at all the wrong times. He's always rubbing his hands together. He looks like he's ready. He's crawling in his own skin. And, uh, and, and, and of course, the world only gets worse and worse around him. But uh, it, it's, it's, it's just incredible. And then, and then there's other people, the Klaus Schwab types. He's yeah. a, little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a classic uh, alpha villain, whereas, uh, you, know, <laughs> where, you know, you have somebody like Bill Gates as like a, a laboratory assistant. Yeah, well, if, if, and if any of them did, you know, morph and change into a reptile, a reptile it probably wouldn't surprise many of us anyhow. Like, okay, I figured, you know, something was going on there. But... Uh, yeah, you know, it's 
this and again, this is something you know, science refuses to uh, acknowledge, and that's why I said it's so important about suddenly acting as if UFOs. It's because the, the the dogma of science for a long time has been like Charles Fort was demonized, and he was ostracized by the because uh, he was the first one that talked about all the things falling out of the sky. You know, until then nobody heard about uh, you know frogs and blood and fish and rocks falling from the sky. And, you know, he, he had a term for it. He called it the Sargasso Sea. And he was always speculating about reality, which I, I love because I speculate all the time. Then, you know, was, was there a giant sea up there? Some, the stuff is falling from somewhere. They couldn't explain it. And, their expo- and, of course, their rationale was that, well, there are no rocks and fish in the sky. So, of course, they can't fall. But even though you had, you know, in many cases, whole communities reporting this has happened. Now, you don't hear about that much anymore. So has it stopped again? Is it... Was that a phenomenon? Because most of the data he was looking at were from the uh, 1800s. And it was that something that was going on then, and maybe they were replaced by UFOs or something else? Uh, I don't know. You know, But I think there's there's always something there, but it's always uh, it, it's only encountered by a small, fairly small section of the populace, and there's not enough people encountering it so that the people that, get, that there aren't, seeing this and are you know confident that it doesn't exist they can get all smug and say oh yeah sure you saw Hmm. a giant winged creature yeah sure you did of course you did you know how much were you drinking what were you smoking you know that's going to be their explanation and uh i you know i i i don't you know dismiss any of that out of hand because i know again how how, and how real what it did to some people's lives and certainly just ufo people you look at some of those people that uh some of them killed themselves, a lot, many of them, and you, it's almost like you see with political whistleblowers, you know, so many people that I interview, you know, families break up, you know, their families, they want nothing to do with them. You look at like poor Wolfgang Halbeg, the guy with the Sandy Hook, I mean, his wife left him, his kids left him, he's battling cancer, I don't know if he's in jail now or what, or whatever, they, they rested him like three in the morning for, you know, nothing, basically. People like that, or some of the CIA whistleblowers, like my friend Kevin Ship. you know, their marriage just broke up over it. Um, fam- so something like UFOs, they 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 don't even understand that it's not a political thing. It's just, they just think, well, this guy brought ridicule on me and shame. He must be crazy. And so you know, by by telling the truth to them, what they heard, they sometimes they're left with physical injuries as well. A lot of these people that seen them had had strange burn marks mm-hmm. on them, and uh, you know that can't be explained. And so uh, yeah, I I've. Um, I'm totally, you know, sympathetic to that. So, and I'd love to hear from more of you. You know, if you if you've uh, encountered these strange things, I would I would love to hear more about. I am I am planning a book like that somewhere down the road about all this stuff. Well, I can't wait till you do it. And, and as a last question, what about you in your local area, or or at least in other places that you have lived? Any little piece of local folklore or legend that that ever intrigued you more than others in in all the places that you've lived and spent time? Well, we had a uh, very near, in northern Virginia. We had something back in the eighties, seventies or eighties uh, called Bunny Man. Bunny man. That. He was Bunny man, yeah. He was like, and uh, he was supposedly a murderer. I, I don't think they ever caught this thing, but it was like dressed as a bunny. And, uh, you know, was it, a, was it a giant bunny? I don't know. But again, that's the kind of thing you hear when some of these, some of these, uh, some of these reports are like, it's absurd. You know, what, what do you see? Because again, who would, who would report something like that? And that's why I, I automatically. And of course it's murdering people. You know, it yeah, can't it can't be it can't be doing anything constructive. <laughs> no, Bunny <of> man. 
But yeah, besides that, we have you know we have lots of interesting uh, ghost stories in Washington D.C. You know, you have tons of that's that's probably at one time that was a hub of goats. You know, people you know Lincoln in the White House. There's a Three Sisters Island out in the Potomac River where supposedly three Indian sisters drowned at one time, and supposedly it's haunted and has taken the lives of so many people in the past. And those kind of legends that are kind of tied to uh, Washington D.C. that I'm that I'm interested in, but. Um, and nothing, nothing, you know, beyond. And of course, you have things like Mount Weather, which is, uh, you know, a top secret installation that's uh, far enough away from me. I've never been to it, but supposedly, you know, I've talked to people who have been there. You know, it has, it has had security cameras on there for decades, long before they were everywhere, and lots of warning signs, you know, going. And that's that's one of the places that, you know, like Mount Chasta in California, where people think that, uh, you know, they're underground cities. They, they have underneath them is a vast underground cities that the, the elite are preparing for. It's, uh, whatever they do, they're, you know, dastardly doomsday thing or whatever, uh, that uh, they have a place to go to. So that's, that's a, a myth that, that, and it's possible. There are a lot of defense contractors and I've heard of underground tunnels that run, you know, all on, under Washington, DC, or that in New York city too, that they have, you know, underground, you know, secret underground tunnels where they're connecting and the, and the people are underground and, uh, you know, and they connect, well, yes, yeah, in, in nationwide. That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that there's yeah. there's certain hubs. Uh, w- one theoretical hub is uh, the the Denver airport. Oh, Denver airport. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, just, just look at that. Just, some artist is, is is painting a mural mural for uh, for an airport, and you're going to put up this this incredible thing where it, it looks like I don't know if the planes are crashing or something horrible is going on, and people are screaming and running, kids. What, who would put that in an airport when people, if they're not nervous about flying, if they see that, they're probably going to get nervous. Like, oh, wait, wait a minute, what am I getting ready to go on these planes? Why would you possibly do that? And you're right, the rumor is that it, it has one of the biggest underground uh, cities underneath it. And, you know, is it true? I don't know, man. They lie about everything, so they're not going to tell us the truth. Well, they do. Well, it is confirmed that there is gigantic, uh, there's a gigantic space underneath the uh the the airport itself that was supposed to be the size of I think like two or three city blocks and they said they scuttled the entire thing and they turned it into just warehouses because they had built it in reverse or something they had they had built there was some kind of I don't know so they said out oh, to hell with it yeah we were gonna build up a, a small city block underneath the ground about a mile underneath and um, and now that's uh, we reversed the, the buildings and we're just going to turn it into storage now. So, I, I you you just don't know. I have to thank you so much again for another wonderful visit here tonight, Don. Uh, what do you have coming up? Let people know how they can l- listen to your show, how they can buy your your books. I have your WordPress in the description of this episode. So uh, let everybody know the uh, the particulars. Yeah, well, if you if you could if you could put up uh, my my new link that I'm promoting is donaldjeffries.media because I'm writing at Substack more. I still do a blog here or there, but donaldjeffries.media is eventually going to be my website real soon too. We're putting it together where you'll be able to find everything about me. But right now, you can go to donaldjeffries.media, and I write for Substack at least a couple times a week. And there's a A option on there. I have lots of subscribers, or you know, some people are helping out. It's all free. You know, I put it all for free. If you want to help, that's great. But um, I, I write regularly. I'm pretty good following there. And uh, my shows, like tonight I had I protest right before, quite frankly, and that runs from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern on the Rockfin. Rockfin's a great new platform. It's like Substack. It's a free speech platform. 
rockpen.com and it also streams on my social media and the donald jeffrey show uh is every wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m and that's otelli.com but it also goes out to some uh, radio stations probably at three in the morning on it's all tape delay so i'm sure they find the most ridiculous time spot for me i'm sure but whatever it's on some radio stations across the country too and uh, jeff rents who i i'm on jeff rents show every monday as well at 9 p.m eastern he has a huge audience he he replays uh all, all of my Donald Jeffrey shows, like uh, for people, a lot of people hear him. So it, it, it's out there in a lot of places. You can hear me in a lot of places in my books. Obviously, my sixth book was published earlier this year on Bard Fame, Money, Mystery, and Corruptions in the Entertainment World. In History Three, more from the Orwellian American Memory Hole. That's uh, just about complete. I'm putting finishing touches on it and send it off to the publisher and hope they'll publish it. But uh, so always writing always talking so people can always find something from me great well it, it's great to, to to hang out with you again uh don it's been a while i'm glad we're able to do this and i'll tell you if i ever was not able to sleep one night and i knew i can flip on a transistor radio at three o'clock in the morning and get a glimpse of your show that would just be awesome so <laughs> the, the, don't discount that 3 a.m slot there's always somebody awake Yes, absolutely. And and I want to shout out to Susan Olson, our friend out there. I know she's listening probably. So hopefully you're enjoying the show, Susan. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. I got a, I got a text message from her before. So uh, shout out to Susan, and thank you again, Don, for coming on. Thanks for having me, Frank. Anytime. Always a pleasure. All right. Be well. There you go. Good, Donald good Jeff day. Jeffrey's out there and enjoying his Friday night. And we are going to be doing a little bit more on this folklore end when we come back. Not a full intermission, just a little bit of a break. We are ending the show in about 15, 20 minutes. Then I'm going to restart the stream on quitefrankly.tv and DLive around 8.45, 8.50 Eastern Time. And that is when we start session four of the book club. Timothy Gordon will be joining us and all that jazz. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I'm in New York City just hanging out. I love Bill TV. You're cool. What's up? I love Bill TV. Yeah. You're cool. What's QFTV? Did you say what's QFTV? Miss, you're going to need to go over there and watch QFTV Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right after, quite frankly. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely cool. Only on quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. Man great. <laughs> they are revolutionizing the way people grill. What, Adam Egan? Is it true? You haven't heard of the revolution? You can put chicken on this or steak? That's not that unique. <laughs> it weighs a lot of pounds. <laughs> Is that heavy? Again. 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 No more flare-ups? You know, <laughs> you know, and your barbecue has always been flare-ups? Why are you laughing? You're making a mockery out of the man grade. Chicken steak has never tasted so good. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, <laughs> again. This commercial is like a mini series. Well, that was our only sponsor. Oh, yeah, and you lost. Yeah, now we found out we lost man grade as a sponsor. <laughs> And then earlier today, I think we were told legally we can't say we lost them as a sponsor even. Yeah, I think we were still waiting to find out if we were allowed to say that. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Do you understand that? Turn the friggin' frogs gay. Crap gay. Frogs friggin' frogs. It's not funny. I'm going to say it real slow for you. Gay. Frogs. 
You know, uh, a couple of my buddies are off on a ghost hunt tonight. They haven't done a... Fi I don't know if they're going to film it. Obviously, they don't think ahead. So, I just heard about this today. That Matt and Mike and our buddy Tony are going to investigate an abandoned insane asylum. I forgot where they said they were going. Now, if they were smart, they would be taking all of the high-quality film that they can, commenting regularly with the with the uh, the goal of having this appear on, quite frankly, on a Saturday night where they can all be in and give you know be live analyzing video with us and tell us about their ghost hunt, see what they found. I have been invited to several of those hunts, and I have said no to them all because I don't know. There's something really. Uh, I don't want to walk through these old insane asylums and these old hospitals, and uh, many of them are death traps. And then the rest of them have really. Uh, they, they 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 have still have security, so the cops show up, and uh, you know everybody wants to dress like Rambo when they go to these these things with the with the utility belts and all that stuff and. And, uh, yeah, I, I could just imagine going, oh, we're going on a ghost hunt, and I get shot five times by a cop because they think I'm brandishing or something. So hopefully they go out, and uh, they have yellow reflective tape all over them, and they're very conspicuous, and they take some good usable footage so we can have it on this show. Hopefully they... I wish, I wish they... I don't know what, if they're, what time they do that. Because that would be cool to get a live call from inside of the place. I don't know if there's any any um, coverage out there. But I'll talk to them afterwards. I have a short little break while I switch over these shows anyhow. All right. Into the grab bag. Then we'll go back into your tales of local folklore. Giancarlo Stanton hits another two-run home run. Holy hell, he's been on fire. Yankees are on fire. I'm happy about it. Okay, let's see. Stostube says, Frank, good Friday, brother. Great guest. Have a wonderful weekend with the fam and many, many prayers. Uh, you're sending your way for Skip. Thank you. He feels a lot better. Skip is um, Skip is waiting for a kidney transplant. Another one. I did not know that kidneys, when you have a transplant, you're really looking to get a good 8 to 10 years out of it max. I didn't know that. Because Skip, when he got his kidney transplant, it was back in like 2003, 4, 5, some, somewhere around there. I remember where I was when I got the call that he got the call that the kidney was in. You got to get to you got to get to the hospital quick. Um, and that was 19 years ago, pretty much. 19 years ago. So because of how well he took the first one, he's on a short list for this one. And in the meantime, it's been, it's dialysis. And we knew, you know, he did dialysis before. You, you can do two types. You can do the hemo. That is, that's, you know, through the, through with the blood. They'll actually take your blood out over the course of an hour and a half, filter it through a machine, and then feed it back into you. And then there's the catheter that they can put into your stomach. And that you can actually filter these saline bags through and out. And you can do that on your own. And it's a lot less taxing. My grandfather was on dialysis at the end of his life. 
and that was a three or four times a week and it completely wiped him out and um there's just been there's just been a lot of problems with this these procedures that they've been doing uh, he was supposed to be home about a week and a half ago and it looks like he'll at least be in the hospital for another week and sometimes you t- i don't know it's just it's just been really hard and, and like i said and one night nobody told us why we thought that he he was it was full-blown dementia so if, there's a lot of reasons why i can come onto the show and be a little bit irritable but i try to put that away i try to vent and and release and relax while we do this but there was a couple of days where i was just like my heart was crushed because I thought he was, his mind was gone forever because we didn't know why. Then, then of course, things start clearing up. Asking what was going on. Did you get answers? What, why were you in that state? And then that's when we realized he was on OxyContin. It's like, oh, no wonder you thought Judge Judy was laughing at you. Didn't know what year it was. Uh, I was telling my mother that, uh, you know, Anthony is somewhere in the hospital and Frank is downstairs playing the drums. Uh, I, I, was, I was really was really distraught so thank god for that that's that's all behind us and uh they're just getting him set up with all this other stuff and hopefully things start breaking easier for him so that's it and thank you all so much for the prayers problems not unique to the world i'm sure many of you are going through similar things just know that we're all going through the same thing we all have those. We all have stuff. But thank you, Stostube, and thank you, everybody. It's wonderful to be able to have a place to talk about these these things that we go through. Incompetent Hand says, could not decide on best apocalypse shirt or stop communism shirt, so I got them both. DeSantis made November 7th remember the victims of Communism Day. If I get a photo op, I know I'll be wear- what I'll be wearing. Hopefully, I get Tomb Raider. I get Tomb Raider to only wear the shirt. Hey, that would be awesome. I-, I, hope- I hope you and Tomb Raider live happily ever after in competent hands. And thank you so much for buying a couple of, quite frankly, shirts on the merch, on the merch page. Thank you. Uh, you know, and with that, we try to do the best we can with the merch. We have a lot of great, um, lot of great variety there, and it's really just a matter of it, it's on Teespring. So the margins, we don't really do a lot of uh, we don't we don't expand the margins a lot because we want people to buy it. It's not. It's really about promotion. People walking around all over the world with a quite frankly shirt on from time to time. Is, is just good branding and good promotion. I, I'd rather have it be easier for people to buy a shirt here and there than, you know, widen the margins by some ridiculous amount. And so one day maybe we'll have our own merchandise so that we can press it, uh, here and keep a, a, keep a you know, inventory here and, and lower costs a little bit. But thank you, everybody, for going out and, and supporting the show that way. You literally become walking billboards and... That's as grassroots as grassroots gets. Here is a a message from fake book Wiffleballer. Says that boy, Rich Grinnell, acting like a little bitch. Tell Matt I say what's up. Matt? Facebook Wiffleballer says what's up. What's up? So there you go. 
Selling the farm says, went out to eat at Rico's. Fantastic food and quality people. I love Italians, especially those that share. Thanks, Frank. Selling the farm. Well, you get the the family-style meals. It's easier to share. But if I just get a regular old entree, I'm not going to give you half of mine. You got to come prepared. <laughs> Thank you, Selling the Farm. On to Foxhole. Bald Lives Matter, says Dr. Hoffman. Sending prayers for your stepdad. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Sean Joe, thank you. What about, what about black-eyed kids? Not panda eyes. No, 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 no. The children with black eyes. They are some of my... The, the, the cre- I, seriously, there are sometimes I love going into old uh, reruns of some classic talk radio... Uh, as you know, because I put a lot of those episodes up on, quite frankly, TV over the weekend blocks that I curate. But if there's ever a night that they do like para- uh, paranormal stories or something, or, or like Nick Redfern makes an appearance somewhere, he's he's very big into writing on paranormal and creepy topics like that. So like Nick Redfern goes on somebody's show years ago and he talks about the phenomenon of children with black eyes where it's somewhere around 3 o'clock in the morning, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, there's this phenomenon of people who have had their doors knocked on or something like that at an obscene hour at the night, in the night, early morning. And when they answer the door, there's a child or sometimes two children who are there asking to come in to use the phone to call their parents, can we come in, and they're insistent on coming in. And at first, you know, people's instinct are to help these children that are in some kind of distress. But at the same time, there's something just off. They're very robotic. And then they realize that their eyes are almost completely black. There's no whites to their eyes. And and for those who have let them in, there are, there's lost time. There's other traumas that are... Are are it, it's it's odd. Uh, children with uh, with black eyes not uh, tapping on parked cars, asking to come into the car. Can I have a ride? So it's if you haven't looked into those, those are the creepiest. You know, there'll, there'll be times I'll be in the shower. It'll be like one o'clock in the morning, and I'm just uh, you know I like to sh- I'm a I'm a nighttime shower guy. And when I listen to that stuff, I'm like oh. Oh, no, let me turn this one off. I'm not ready for this tonight. <laughs> Sometimes, if I had somebody else around, I'd be like, hey, you want to listen to something creepy? We can get ourselves through this one together. Not alone. Not alone. Thank you, Robert Sarns and Woke Societies. Wow, Woke Societies, I miss you, man. I miss you. But I'm, I'm so happy for your success, and I know that you have a, a wonderful show that's very healthy with a great audience. Thank you, Woke Societies. Cheers to you. Kaboomer, thank you. Raja D, thank you. Just Because, says Don Jeffries, always a great guest. And yes, Susan Olson needs to be back on. Yes, she does. And thank you, Ginger Goddess, says prayers for Skip, and I love the show, Frank. Thank you, Ginger. Thank you so much. Wonderful to have you out there. So let's get back to our folklore thread. It's 8.30. I want to do a couple more of these because I'm getting off in about five minutes. And for those of you... Even if you haven't been reading along, if you listen to book session one, two, three, and now four, you have a pretty good idea of where the book is going, the characters, why it's relevant to, to modern day. We have great historical conversations along the way that support what we're do- talking about. It's been a lot of fun, and I can't wait to do something uh, 
something else. I really can't wait. Okay, so I'm going to have a couple of these left over, but that's fine because we have to do some weird stuff on a Saturday night too. Hey, Frank, this is from Claire. I've been meaning to send some things for the Folklore Strange Happenings thread. Where we live in Texas, we're close to a secret, LOL, airbase. I have personally, as my husband has seen, not only silent, huge black triangles in the sky, but we've seen weird colored lights floating to the ground, orbs, all kind of crazy stuff. And when we moved here six and a half years ago, we lived 12 miles outside of a small Texas town before that, population 2000. Uh, halfway between Dallas and Austin in the Texas Hill Country. Well, everyone who lives around here, and you have to get to know the locals before they'll talk. But if you quietly bring up something odd you've seen, they will start telling you a story after story after story. Remember the big hubbub about uh, Stevensville, Texas UFO? Well, that's 30 minutes from here. Google it if you don't know about it. I've been all over the country ghost hunting with my daughter when she was a little younger, and I had a ghost cough in my ear at the Menger Hotel in San Antonio on the Alamo grounds. A ghost coughed in your ear? You would think that all of your coughing would be done once you go into the afterlife. I had a ghost sit down on my bed in an old haunted house when it's, and then it slid over to get closer. Now I was up and out of that room in two seconds flat. Shit. Shit. No. Oh, well. Damn. Let's see here. This is from Pixies Are Real. Morley's dog. Morley's dog is an old, odd folklore we have here in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Morley's dog is a zinc dog statue owned by a uh, Cambria Iron Works employee named James Morley that he displayed in his yard starting in the 1870s. Legend has it that during the 1889 flood, the dog statue came alive and rescued people that were washed downriver and stuck among burning debris at the old stone bridge. Later, the statue was found in the wreckage and returned to James Morley. It has been restored throughout the years and is proudly displayed in town. The dog statue even made a cameo appearance in the movie Slapshot, where Paul Newman mentions the dog saved lives in the flood. The 1889 flood is pretty interesting on its own. It was caused by a poorly maintained man-made dam for the South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club, owned by 50 extremely wealthy men such as Henry Clay Frick, Andrew Carnegie, Andrew Mellon, over 2,200 2, people died in that flood, and 1,600 homes were destroyed. The club members were never held legally responsible for the disaster. And here is a recent picture of Morley's dog. Damn, son. Yeah, that dog would definitely save people, and it definitely has. You can tell. It's got a triumphant aura about them. Well, there's more this year. Do not consider this show thread closed. Because I want to know more about this. Local folklore and heroes like this damn dog, Morley's dog. So feel free to jump into the thread, add some more, and I will read through these when we get some extra time during the show in the week. And perhaps even on a Saturday night show when we always are looking for something nice and cozy to sink back on. All right? 
With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you so much for all the time you gave me this week. I thank you all for the support, for the sharing, for, uh, for, for everything that has contributed to more and more people watching in a time where it's harder to get more and more eyes on anything that you're doing. So I, uh, I thank you. And please consider becoming a sponsor of the show. I always thank Blue Monster Prep. I thank uh, my friends on the affiliates page. And I always thank Secret Nature, my two sponsors, Secret Nature and Blue Monster. But I, I, I must say, and I have to keep drilling home, the biggest sponsor that this show has are those of you out there in the audience who are monthly contributors, whether it be $1, $5, some of you much more. Uh, some of you are sporadically through the Super Chats, which is just as good. You guys are my biggest sponsor. You guys are my biggest, most substantial, most important sponsor. So uh, every time I, I plug Blue Monster and every time I plug Secret Nature, just remember, just remember, as important as they, as they are, you guys have been a rock for years before I ever had anybody interested in any commercial sponsorship. So thank you so much for that. Um, you never become less important to me and my family. So good night, everybody. And for those of you who are following along with Malachi Martin's Windswept House, Session 4, the books, book club is starting right after this. Let me just make sure I have not missed anybody. Captain Cast Iron, the story about children with black eyes gave me the chills. I'm alone cleaning uh, at a school right now. Well, Captain Cast Iron, look into it even more. It's a chilly, chilly phenomenon. Absolutely. So, again, thank you all. I'm releasing the scratching over there on Foxhole. And we have more stuff st uh, starting up right there in a second. DLive, I'm sticking with you. And Foxhole on QuiteFrankly.tv, sticking with you as well. Monday is very, very short, 48 hours away, ladies and gentlemen. I will see you then at 7 o'clock. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Selling the Farm on Rumble, Captain Cast Iron, Stostube, Incompetent Hands, Fake Book Wiffle Baller, and many, many more on Foxhole. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to everybody watching on Theta, the Jacuzzi and Theta, Rockfin, YouTube, and Twitch, and DLive, and more. We will see you on Monday. Stay tuned for Book Club.